0: Hey there, it's Isaac Shade, the host of Locked on Tar Heels. A quick note about this crossover episode between Locked on Blue Devils and Locked on Tar Heels. It was recorded before Friday afternoon's press conference from Hubert Davis, where he announced that Puff Johnson would be available for Saturday's game. On the show, we talk about our doubt that he will be able to play. So we just wanted to make sure you are aware of that heading in. Enjoy the episode. It is time for the first North Carolina Duke Duke North Carolina matchup of the season the first time these two rivals get together since the classic matchup in last year's final four John Shire Hubert Davis going at it for the first time it's a crossover episode on locked on Tar Heels and locked on Blue Devils.
1: You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there, welcome into this crossover episode between Locked on Blue Devils and Locked on Tar Heels. This is my guy, JJ Jackson. I am Isaac Shade, and we are so glad to be with you, bringing you a preview of Tar this game from the best rivalry in all of, not just college sports, JJ, but the entire sporting world. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, folks, so here's how we're gonna ride the boat today. We're gonna start off just getting you prepared on the Duke side of things. For those who haven't been tracking with Duke this year, get some storylines. Then we'll talk about North Carolina a little bit, and then we'll finish up by just some big storylines for the game and some predictions and all that stuff. So, uh, JJ, let's dive into the Duke side of this. We know that, once again, it it is a freshman-laden team in John Shire's first go at this, kind of similar to the year with R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and Zion Williamson coming into the year. It was somebody, a, a different freshman we expected to dominate things, but it was obviously Zion. It seems like um, nationally looking in, that's a, the big storyline this year. So we all expected it to be Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, but boy, this has been the Kyle Filipowski show.
1: Isaac, you're not kidding. Seven times already this season, we've heard uh, Kyle Filipowski be named – the ACC Freshman of the Week, and we haven't seen those honors quite yet for Derek Lively II and Derek Whitehead. The biggest reason for that is because those guys haven't been on the floor. They've both been battling injuries. Derek Whitehead, his status going into the game is still a little bit up in the air. It's very possible he plays a little bit on Saturday in this big-time matchup against Duke and North Carolina, which would be massive for the Blue Devils because I tell you what, you go back to last week, in Blacksburg, it was very ominous as to what the future of Derek Whitehead and Durham would look like after his injury in that game against Virginia Tech. So, yeah, it's been the Filipowski show because the other two guys have been injured a little bit, but uh, I've had a whole lot of fun watching Flip play this season.
0: And and great news on Derek Whitehead. I mean, regardless of how fans feel about one another, you never want to see these young men hurt. And you and I talked about unlocked on, on college basketball. Right after that, we were scared it was an Achilles, and he was done. So so great news, and hopefully Whitehead will be back on the floor. Notably, Jeremy Roach JJ is is the returning um, experienced guy to help run this team from the guard position. What does he bring to Duke that they wouldn't have if it's just five freshmen all out there together?
1: Just the experience piece I think is so important, and they need something like that. Obviously, it's already such a monumental year uh, that for the first time in 42 seasons. Sub, someone other than Mike Krzyzewski is walking up and down the sidelines. You mentioned Jeremy Roach and what that means. It's also like the only guy that played meaningful minutes a year ago for Duke whatsoever. Jalen Blakes is the only other scholarship player returning this season. But as a freshman last year, Blakes barely contributed anything at all. So Roach, to be that junior captain, captain is such a distinction – to be at a program like Duke, as it is with the school like North Carolina, to carry out those standards as to what it means to be a Blue Devil basketball player each and every day. As he has played well, so has Duke. He's also had a couple of injury issues already this season. But coming into a game like this against North Carolina, also coming off a really big performance with 21 points earlier in the week at home against Wake Forest, Jeremy Roach is going to be the guy that kind of leads the engine for Duke in uh, today's game against North Carolina.
0: For for North Carolina folks who haven't uh, had an opportunity to yet see Duke play under John Shire, what are some things they can expect to see similar to a Coach Krzyzewski team? And what are some things they can expect that might be a little bit different?
1: Yeah, I mean, similar. I think they're going to be ready for a rivalry like this, as is The North Carolina squad. I mean, these guys are smart. They recruit, they were uh, committed to play for a program like Duke for a reason. They wanted to play in big time games like this. And I think they're going to get the chance to do exactly that. A difference so far uh, would be that you are going to see nine, ten players even that get on the floor for Duke. That has been something totally different than what we were accustomed to with Mike Krzyzewski. We've seen Hubert Davis be a little guilty of this as well, where you've got your six or seven guys, sometimes even just five or six, and those are your players. That's who's going to be out there on the floor and not many other people. But that has not been the case at all for Duke this season. Shire does let his bench go much deeper brings in more players to kind of keep the legs fresh and that sort of thing. So uh, stylistically, that has been one of the bigger differences that we've seen. It's just a one-year, not even a full-year sample size. But that is a common question that people want to ask, and that's kind of the first thing that definitely comes to mind visually when you're watching the game.
0: Uh, it's funny because hearing everything you just said, I felt like I was looking at a mirror of last year. I cannot tell you how many times I used the phrase small sample size last <laughs> year, but you're spot on. It It's funny how Coach Williams used a deeper bench for North Carolina and Coach Davis hasn't. And it's the complete inverse for Duke. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects this rivalry going forward. Um it, JJ, outside of those big three freshmen we talked about and Jeremy Roach, who are a few of the other names that Carolina folks should be on the lookout for that they might not be aware of yet?
1: Great question because the Duke team is so new. Again, only two scholarship players returning from last year and Jeremy Roach in his junior season is the only player who's had an impact whatsoever in this rivalry. So for Duke, you've also got two more five-star freshmen that are incredibly talented And Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell. Duke has gone into more of a lineup with Proctor being featured as the primary ball handler Mm -hmm. and point guard. He reclassified, came into school a year earlier. He's only 18 years old. He's an Australian uh, native playing professionally over there with the NBA Global Academy. Uh, Terrific passer. He has been a whole lot of fun to watch. And then a freshman like Mark Mitchell from Sunrise Academy in Kansas comes over a lefty with a really good shot from the outside, but uh, offensively doesn't force much whatsoever. Just a really solid basketball player that I think from the Duke perspective, they would love to see Mark Mitchell become more aggressive and more assertive in big matchups like this to really not put as much pressure on someone like Filipowski or Roach to score the basketball. Uh, And then off the bench, Ryan Young, has been a player that's been really impressive. Like last year when we had the Marquette dynamic for both of these squads with Theo John and Dawson Garcia, as you've alluded to, Isaac, we've now got this Northwestern dynamic with Pete Nance on the UNC side of things, Ryan Young on the Duke side. And man, Ryan Young looks like uh, the old Hooper at the YMCA with some of his interior post moves and uh, his offensive rebounding ability is so wild Given the way you just physically look at him, he doesn't feel like he'd be that great of a rebounder. So outside of those three big freshmen and Jeremy Roach, the names to get back to would be Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, and Ryan Young. Those are the guys to make an impact in a big game like this.
0: All right, folks, that is a great Duke primer from JJ. Should be fun coming up on Saturday. Here in just a second, we are going to flip, talk about the North Carolina side of things. JJ is going to take the mic. And uh, holler at me, and we'll get you primed for that coming up in just a second. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And we here at Lockdown are really excited about our new sports betting partner because they are that number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, even better they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy so download the Fanduel app now so you can bet super bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet you'll get up to three thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win so jj let's be honest let's tank that first bet and get all absolutely <laughs> <laughs> oh man Fanduel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who's going to score a touchdown The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, it's secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. I love this app. It's what I've been using for years for any of my daily fantasy stuff, and I would highly encourage you to dive in on it. So, join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim that no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel the official sportsbook partner of the NFL.
1: Welcome back into this crossover here today of Locked On Blue Devils and Locked On Tar Heels, the first Duke and UNC basketball game of the 2022-2023 season, and it's a good one. It's set to take place inside Cameron Indoor Stadium, the first time these two squads have met in this venue since the Tar Heels spoiled Coach K's send-off with 100-plus former players in the house a year ago. Isaac, I want to start there. How much do you think back to that game from the Tar Heels' perspective, knowing that a man that walked up and down the sidelines for 42 years at Cameron Indoor Stadium did not win his final game there?
0: I got to tell you, the interesting thing, I think from the national perspective, I think most people assume that for Carolina, the final four win is like the feather in the cap. And and it is because it was the final thing. But I think inside the Carolina fan base, a lot of people cherish that win inside Cameron even more because of all the lead up to it, everything that happened, you know, all the ESPN surrounding it, (laughs) um, all the the Jason Williams calling for a timeout from the stands of it. um, Coach K's frustration after it, the, the uh, game before it, I can't remember who it was now, but that went into overtime. And so they're, you know, just a lot of the fanfare didn't happen before. And so for a lot of the Carolina fan base um, that I've talked to, it's like, man, I I love the Final Four when it was great, but by the time the game was over, I guess it was a double-digit victory. And so I I started to say dominating. I guess it necessarily wasn't, but it was a double-digit victory. And so um, I think a lot of Carolina people look back on that with even greater fondness than the Final Four win.
1: Sure, yeah, 94-81, the final score of that game inside Cameron a year ago, one that we would like to forget, but unfortunately uh, you can't go back and change history as much as I wish revisionist history was a thing because uh, the Final Four also stinks. So Duke's got a little bit get back to accomplish moving forward. It's going to be hard to overcome that challenge, but nonetheless, here we are. Talking about the teams, bringing it forward to this year and this week, and to be on topic and to be kind of in the moment where our feet are, Isaac. The Tar Heels are coming off a loss. Duke's coming off a two-point victory against Wake Forest, and yet you look at the last game for the Tar Heels against Pitt. It's things that take place after the game that so many people are talking about when it comes to Jason Capel on the sidelines for Pitt.
0: Yeah, that, that was kind of a weird moment there with uh, uh, his brother, the head coach of Pitt, Jeff Capel, former Duke assistant, okay. as we know, um, in the post-game conference defending him. Apparently, there was some post put out by the Carolina social media team that he thought was trolling his brother, Jason, who had played at Carolina in the Matt Doherty era, which uh, Duke fans probably look at fondly because uh, Carolina was terrible uh, in the back stretch of that. Um, but yeah, that, that really overshadowed the game in a lot of ways. Um, and I spent like a whole bunch of time on my own social media and Twitter trying to figure out what was going on, talking about stuff and, um, just, just kind of a weird sideshow to that whole game when you should be, uh, kind of reveling in a victory. Pittsburgh has won their last three in a row in the Smith center and five out of six in the series. And so, uh, just interest, interesting to take some, uh, some, crossfire after the game for that. But, hey, do what you do.
1: (laughs) Now, Pitt, what a good team they are, and we're not going to spend much time talking about them here other than the fact that, yeah, not many people expected them to win the season series against North Carolina. And then also just this added dynamic of the Cable brothers this week, how fitting it is that this is the lead-up to the greatest rivalry in sports in Duke and in North Carolina. We know how passionate it is. You're on one side or the other. You don't play both sides of the rivalry. And here we are. You talk about players that made an impact on the floor with Capel, his years obviously most recently as an assistant for the Duke Blue Devils, but also wearing the Duke jersey himself, right? (laughs) Having half-court buzzer beaters as a player to Jeff Capel inside of Cameron Indoor Stadium. To think that you and your own brother could go play in this rivalry, For separate schools is just wild to comprehend. And I'm glad we got that reminder this week ahead of this rivalry.
0: Yes, absolutely. And the the funny thing is a lot of Carolina fans are always trying to push back on that half court buzzer because they're like, we won that game. (laughs) game." Capel gets the highlight, but we won the game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're exactly right. You're exactly right. No, it's 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 fun. It's going to be a great game. And uh, talking about this North Carolina Tar Heels team this season, a bit of an up and down year for North Carolina. Obviously, the preseason number one team in the country. They're not ranked right now. Isaac, what's been the biggest issue with the Tar Heels?
0: Uh, it's been inconsistency and lack of attention to details. That's what Coach Hubert Davis has been talking about a lot this season is the the discipline to focus in on the little things um that that make a team uh, go from good to exceptional or or strong to great or elite or whatever it may be Um, i think a lot of people just assumed hey you're bringing back four of the five starters from that team that ultimately went to last year's national championship game and fell to kansas by three um but every team is different and and everyone you add into that mix Changes things just ever so slightly, and so um, a big part of it is that Caleb Love has not been hitting shots. He's shooting under thirty percent from three point land this season. Uh, that ain't going to do it for you. Um, part of it is that Pete Nance is a completely different basketball player—not completely different, but quite a bit different than Brady Manic. And I think a lot of people just assumed that, that would be a one-for-one one switch, and it's just not. Pete Nance is a phenomenal basketball player but he just operates very differently from Brady Manic. So whereas last year for Carolina starters, you had RJ Davis, Caleb love leaky black, Brady Manic, and Armando Baycott and leaky black's not going to go out and get you 20 a night, but the other four could last year while leaky black would look to lock down another team's best defender. But this year, Pete Nance is just not that guy. That's that's could go for 20 on any night. He scored 20 twice this season. But really, it's been a three-headed attack of R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and Armando Baycott. But beyond that, there's not that fourth scorer on a consistent level that teams have to account for. And so you can really hone in your scouting report on Davis and Love and Baycott.
1: Yeah, those guards obviously have made a big impact in the rivalry. Caleb Love appears to be the Duke killer every time he sees that squad lineup on the other side. He has great performances. We've got the shot over Mark Williams' outstretched seven-foot one-arm to kind of ice the Final Four matchup, still ingrained in our memories forever, and it'll likely be that way, unfortunately, Duke fans. But nonetheless, Caleb Love still dons that North Carolina jersey. I would expect for him to have a bigger impact. What about Puff Johnson? He's been a player that was making impact for the Tar Heels over the last few seasons, Isaac, but haven't seen as much from him this year.
0: Yeah, part of that is Puff Johnson. His whole career, this is his junior season, has been in and out with injuries. His whole career, and the same has been true this year. Missed the first several games of the season, and has actually missed the past three games for Carolina, uh, just with some lingering knee soreness that also kept him out at the beginning of this season. Uh, there's nothing that leads me to believe that he will be playing in today's game. Has uh, been in street clothes, and it's you know a lot of times you kind of see that that ramp back up. To playing right. And he's not been. So I do not expect him to play in this game, which which is a, a big blow for the Tar Heels, who um, with him are certainly two points better than they would have been otherwise in that game against Pitt on Wednesday night. And uh, so that that is a big blow to Carolina's depth as well. Um, Caleb Love going going back to him, as you said, has has been having some of that ramp up. He has shot better the past two games. And so that's something to watch out for. RJ Davis has been on fire, but uh, two games ago, Carolina played Syracuse and he uh, dislocated his index finger on his shooting hand and had a terrible shooting night against Pittsburgh on Wednesday, three of 15 from the floor. Oh, of six from three um, and two of four from the free throw line as the ACC statistically best free throw shooter. And so uh, that's something to watch out for is that I, I don't, I mean, that's not going to be better from Wednesday to Saturday. And so RJ is going to have to figure out some other ways to contribute uh, to Carolina's success. And unfortunately, before that pit loss for the Tar Heels, he had been a big part of the reason that they were on a four-game winning streak.
1: So before we get to our final timeout here of the program and kind of get into more bigger storylines with this matchup, and again, what a fun angle it is. John Shires first time for Duke taking over as head coach in this epic rivalry He, of course, like everyone, played in the rivalry himself, was an assistant on the staff, and now is just in a much larger role. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But from this North Carolina perspective, we've talked a lot about the starters, right? That group that had such a big run to the championship game in March Madness a season ago. They come back. They've got these preseason number one expectations, and then you pair that with a lot of really talented freshmen coming into the roster, a couple of sophomores coming back, more experienced players, like someone like Dontre Style and DeMarco Dunn set to make impacts for North Carolina this season. And as we talked about earlier in the show, Hubert Davis just hasn't been the deepest of bench coaches. Tell us a little bit about those players, and what is it going to take for, for those players to make an impact in games like this?
0: Uh, That's a great question, JJ. For example, to your point, in the game against Pittsburgh on Wednesday night, no one outside of the five starters played double-digit minutes in that game. Only DeMarco Dunn had the sixth most, and he played just nine minutes, and a lot of that was because of foul trouble for Leaky Black. So, um, to your very good point, uh, we don't expect to see many. And, in fact, last year many will remember in the second half at Cameron – Literally no substitutions for Hubert Davis in that final 20 minutes. But the ones that we do expect to see coming off the bench first should be DeMarco Dunn, a sophomore guard who comes in either for uh, Love or Davis there. Um, more, of a, more of a shooter than a pure point guard. Um, but we expect to see him come in and play some time. The other sophomore who you mentioned, Dontre Styles, has uh, been noticeably absent all season long just getting little to no playing time. I don't expect it. Like if we see him in this game, it's one to two minutes. And so it will be more the freshmen that get involved as well. uh, As we've already talked about Puff Johnson probably will not be playing Um, And so we look at Jalen Washington, who was a stretch four freshman. He is coming off of ACL, uh, two ACL surgeries, actually, I should say in high school, worked his way back and has just uh, been playing for the last 10 games or so, Um, had to step in in a major way for Carolina uh, earlier in the season and did well, but just got gassed because he's not really back in full game shape yet because he hasn't played basketball for two years. Um, but he's the guy that, that comes into that front court rotation alongside of Armando Baycott and Pete Nance. And the other uh, talented freshman to watch out for in the backcourt is Seth Trimble who is not much of an offensive player at this point. He can get to the rim and is crazy athletic, but is known as Leaky Black is for his on-ball defense. He is a dogged defender and somebody to watch out for. Another freshman who might see action is Tyler Nickel from Virginia, uh, a guy who's like a wing player that can come out, not afraid to pull the trigger at all. The, The leading scorer in Virginia high school history. And yes, I do mean what I just said right there.
1: No doubt about that. Broke Mac McClung's record that college basketball fans will remember and uh, ready to see Tyler Nichol get some more run for the Tar Heels. I think he's quite a player that Hubert Davis was able to get out there recruiting. So we've got a lot to talk about when we get down to the nitty-gritty with a matchup like this. Two teams unranked. How long has it been since we've seen a matchup like this? We've got fun things to tell you when this Locked On crossover episode of Locked On Blue Devils and Locked On Tar Heels continues in a moment. This show today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, a proud presenting sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're looking for a delicious treat and don't want all of the fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bar. We all want to be eating healthier, and Built Bar wants to help you accomplish that with something that is actually tasty. What makes Built Bar so good, you might ask? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. we got to say that a couple of times to encourage you out there to get those built Bars. Uh, they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And I'm not quite sure how built does it, but they taste just like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Like we've been saying, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. Like Isaac and I have been telling you often, you know how to order built Bars at built.com But we've got even greater news. Sometimes you just want to shop in person, and now you can do that. You can pick these up at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself A box of Built Bar. Once again, Built Bar is a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Oh, man. Love those Built Bars. Give me all that churro noise. (laughs) I, oh. Man, good stuff there, JJ. Okay, let's get to some storylines, massive storylines that we want to see in this game. How's it going to go? One of the interesting things is when you think about this rivalry, it's always the players that have played against each other for so long historically. But as JJ, as you said, um, for Duke, it's really only Jeremy Roach and a little bit of Jalen Blake's returning who have been part of this rivalry from the Duke side of things, while Carolina brings back quite a few who have been part of this rivalry. How how do, how do you see the shape of that playing out with so many new faces on the Duke side of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, experience is the best teacher, as the old saying goes, as we know. So we'll certainly find out after a game like this for all these freshmen to be able to make their impact. And uh, as we've seen over the last decade, Duke has turned into more of these uh, one-and-done type schools, right, with players only making a one-year mark on the program and moving on. However, they very much so can still make an impact on this rivalry. I will bring up someone like Austin Rivers, who had a buzzer beater. Unlike Jeff Capel, his buzzer beater won the basketball game from inside the Dean Smith Center. He only played for Duke for one season. I think about someone like Zion Williamson, who gets to play inside Cameron against the Tar Heels with President Barack Obama on the baseline, and his shoe explodes less than 60 seconds into the basketball game, he makes an impact on the rivalry in just one season on campus. Jason Tatum, an absolute superstar in the NBA the, these days, in his sixth season, which is insane to think about as he played yeah. in the league for six years. But there are flashbacks that you will see of his poster dunk over Kennedy Meeks inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. So I say that to say... These freshmen come to Duke for a reason. They come to play in big rivalry games like this because they know how much the rivalry means to the fan base, to the school, to the ACC, to the sport of college basketball. I think that juices you up enough to lace up your shoes and play. North Carolina's got the edge because those players played in the most impactful games the rivalry has ever seen in their last two meetings. But, man, I'm excited for someone like Kyle Filipowski to get his Duke-UNC moment coming up this season.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and one of the things people nationally look in and see is, man, neither of these teams are ranked, as you alluded to a little bit ago. Why why is there still the juice with Duke and North Carolina? Well, historically, man, it doesn't matter. These The, the rivalry, the games are always epic. It's I know it's so cliche, but throughout the record books, it's so true. In fact, JJ, you and I were talking about this off air before we got going. Uh, The last time these two teams met when neither of them were unranked was both matchups in the 2020-21 season. Both times they played, they were unranked. But prior to that, hear this, folks. The last time these two teams played when both were unranked was February 27th of 1960. Wow. nineteen sixty. JJ, that is over six decades uh, since those two teams played as unranked. That's just how high level both these programs have been for a sustained amount of time. Now, thinking more about these storylines, one of the things we're always watching is the matchups in these games. Um, and as I look, uh, you know, thinking about about Duke starters, I know last year it was like, man, how on earth is Carolina going to contend with Palo Banquero? It started <laughs> off in the first game with Armando Baycott picking up two quick fouls. So Carolina switched that to Brady Manick in the second game. And so as I, I look at it this year, it's like, who? How, how do you decide how to match up with Filipowski and Lively in the front court? My guess going into it is that Coach Davis will put Armando Bacot on Derek Lively and have Pete Nance guarding Kyle Filipowski just because of the mobility that Filipowski brings to things. But um, very interesting to see there, as well as um, Leaky Black being Carolina's main lockdown defender. Who is he on? Is it Mark Mitchell or is it one of the guards in Proctor or Roach? Always interesting to watch there.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because matchups going into these rivalry games are so important when you talk about it. And we've been discussing it all week long on Lockdown Blue Devils. Isaac, it's almost as if we've been scouting one another, much like the coaching staffs do ahead of a game like this, because that's my point that we've been making all week long. Leaky Black is the Tar Heels' best defender. Where does he best fit in this game? And I do think it's on a player like Filipowski. As you mentioned, Lively's got to be closer to the basket. Duke does not have too many sets where it's only Filipowski out there on the floor with a bunch of wing players around him, meaning when Lively exits the game, Ryan Young is going to come in, meaning Armando Baycott can still kind of remain there on the interior and defend Ryan Young. So it does make the most sense for Leaky Black to take Kyle Filipowski, given his versatility and just given the fact that we haven't seen Mark Mitchell overly aggressive and overly assertive on the offensive end. Size-wise, that's the better matchup, Leaky sure. Black and Mark sure. Mitchell. But just the way Duke has been playing basketball this season, I think North Carolina is going to get the most out of having um, Leaky on on Filipowski.
0: Yeah, that'll be super interesting to watch. I'm also you brought up that Ryan Young and Armando Baycott matchup. I, that is one that I'm very. I mean, I'm excited to see Baycott and Lively, but just because of the the Ryan Young story, how fun it's been this season, <laughs> yeah. and because they're both such good offensive rebounders i think that's going to be like i think that will be a kind of under the radar pivotal pivotal stat in this game is which of those two guys can assert themselves more on the glass particularly the offensive glass to get a couple extra possessions for their team
1: Yeah, stylistically a little different how they do it as well. I mean, Armando Baycott, someone who lives quite literally above the rim. And while Ryan Young is 6'8", 6'9", in stature, we've yet to see the guy dunk the basketball a single time so far. Very much so, let me smack the backboard glass, lay it in type of fella, Uh, which works. It gets the job done, two points or two points. It's just going to be really, really fun to see those guys go at it in the post.
0: And the question is, can we get that Northwestern matchup at some point in this game with Young (laughs) and Pete Nance guarding each other? That'd be a lot of fun, and I'm sure fun for those two guys especially. Well, JJ, final parting shots. Any other storylines before we make a couple predictions here? I would just circle back, Isaac. Once again, we saw it a
1: year ago when a man takes over for Roy Williams, right? When, when Hubert Davis steps into the big shoes. We know what this rivalry means. I mentioned all the iconic moments that you think of. And now, for the first time in 42 seasons, North Carolina fans, and I do know how they felt about Mike Krzyzewski, I live on social media. I've been in the state many years as you have. I know the chatter in grocery stores and that sort of thing. You will not see Coach K present inside Cameron Indoor on Saturday. It's John Shire. It's a whole different dynamic. What is that going to be like from the North Carolina perspective? Those are the storylines and things that I'm going to be processing as this game plays out and as we move into the new era of the rivalry.
0: Yeah, uh, man, that that's the wild thing is, you know, Coach Davis, uh, two and one against Coach Krzyzewski. But then we're going to see this. Uh, I expect both of these coaches to be in these positions for, you know, a couple decades. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> either of them to fail. And so I, I think we will see uh, just this is the beginning, the genesis of a long, a long standing rivalry between these two coaches who are going to be doing it at the highest level of college basketball for years to come. JJ, we don't have a line on FanDuel yet for this game, but at Ken Palm, uh, he has Duke by four favored. What are you doing?
1: Yeah. Duke is yet to lose inside Cameron Indoor Stadium this season. Again, outside of the top 25, Like North Carolina these past few weeks, Duke has loved being in the receiving votes department where you and I can count it out to 26 and 30 and put them somewhere in there. So they're right there on the outside looking in. And the one positive thing for Duke is that they have taken advantage of Cameron Indoor Stadium. For that reason alone and for the dynamic that Duke lost last year's game inside Cameron, I do feel a little bit better about this game, knowing North Carolina is coming off the loss against Pitt earlier in the week. And yet the more I talk about it, now I'm getting nervous. So I'm (laughs) going to stop and just let you know. I think four points in that area is fair. And I do think Duke ultimately ends up with a few more on the scoreboard since they are playing at home.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's funny because that loss to Pitt for Carolina midweek was their first loss at home this season. But it's funny for that very reason, I actually am feeling Carolina's focus coming into view. I I know I had talked about RJ Davis not being on point Wednesday night, but as you said, with the the Caleb love of it, and I think this is a big game for Armando Baycott, and I I don't see any big margin. I think it's a back and forth game uh, with somebody getting a shot, On the final possession to win. And I think that will be Caleb Love driving to the rim with a nice little layup over Derek Lively for a two point victory in (laughs) Hansborough Indoor Stadium.
1: There you go. Yes. (laughs) What a fun game it'll be, man. I can't wait.
0: I can't either, JJ. It'll be lots of fun. I know we'll do this again in a few weeks when we get back to the Chapel Hill side of things to end the regular season, folks. From the Blue Devils community and from the Tar Heels community, thanks so much for tuning in to this crossover episode. For J.J. Jackson of Locked on Blue Devils, I'm Isaac Shade of Locked on Tar Heels, reminding you that it is always so grateful we are to have you diving into our shows. It really means the world that you would tune in to listen to us. Best of luck to both fan bases in today's game, and we'll get to do this all over again really soon. J.J., great to talk with you, brother.
1: Let's have some fun. It's time to play basketball, Isaac. Good chatting with you.
0: You as well.